Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone with visual impairment who is unable to read a newspaper. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday the 16th of August. I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week's team comprises our engineer Duncan Wynne. Round the table with me is Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and Sally Rowe. Clerical work has been done by Carol Hartle and I think Sue Childs and Judith Audrey and Duncan are going to do the copying. (coughs) May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners. We hope you enjoy our offering and I believe Wendy Walker and Kath Giles are joining us. So a warm welcome to you. <clears throat> You'll hear emergency and useful telephone numbers. What's on in the local theatres? We have the obituaries, a thought for the week. We'll open the birthday book. So do let us know yours so that we can include you. Um, the past week's headlines, sunrise and sunset times. And then we'll have stories of interest from the past week. The service is quite free to users. We are a registered charity. If anyone does wish to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS in Worcester, WR51DA. And <clears throat> we do thank anyone who has sent a donation. It's very welcome. Thank you. Um, and I believe we have to thank Mrs. Wendy Walker and Angela Bell uh, for collection box on our opening day. <clears throat> we do like to hear from you. If you have any suggestions or ideas or comments, put a note in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone. 01905767766. But we're not here every day, so please be patient um, for a return call. I'm going to hand over to Judith now, who will tell you um, useful telephone numbers. Thank you. Thank you. Here in Wilds Lane, the telephone number is 01905767766. Worcester Live, 01905-611-427. Malvern Theatres, 01684-892277. Police Non-Emergency, 101. Crime Stoppers, 0800-555-111. Worcester Hub, 01905 Seven six five seven six five, Norbury Theatre, O one nine O five seven seven O one five four, NHS Direct one one one, the Out of Hours Medical Assistance, O three hundred one two three three two one one, and that is from six p.m. to eight p.m. And the Infirmary Museum, 01905-542373. Thank you, Judith. And now I'm going to ask Sally to tell us what's on in the local theatres. Thank you. 
Thank you. Well, starting in Worcester, there is the Worcester Festival, so there's a huge variety of uh, different things going on. Um, starting on Monday the 20th, there's a backstage tour of the Swan Theatre at 6.30, and the tickets are £8.50, and they include a drink at the bar. On Tuesday the 21st is Worcester Horn Day. It co- goes on between 9am and 6pm, with a free concert at 5 p from 5 until 6. There's a day-long celebration of the French horn. Um, you can have a have a go and learn all about the French horn. So, um, that's at the, in the Henry Sandon Hall from 9 till 6. Then on Tuesday the 21st in the evening, the festival players are presenting The Winter's Tale at the Swan Theatre. And then on from Tuesday the 21st until Saturday the 25th in the Vesta Tilly studio at the Swan Theatre is um, an amateur production stack, Men of the World, um, preparing for a mystery trip to Scarborough. Three northern coach drivers pass the time remembering more exciting trips from the past, such as the one, the last one down the Rhine Valley. Um, and I think that's a, a comedy uh, with an occasional strong language and sensitive themes. On um, Thursday the 23rd, uh, also in the new Henry Sandon Hall, is the Worcester Repertory Company presenting Where is Mrs Christie? The Mystery of Agatha Christie's 11 Lost Days. And that's at 730 Then on Friday the 24th in the Huntingdon Hall is Strictly Nashville um, at 7.30, celebrating the very best in music from Americans' Music City, promising an exciting fusion of pure country gold. Guitarist, vocalist and band leader Bob Drury. Then, something a little different, on Friday the 24th there is a festival Cayley with the Orchard Band and the caller Ian Cragen. And that's in the Henry Sandon Hall at 7.30 and tickets are £15 and include a Scotch egg. Um, On Friday the 24th at 7.30 is a Bon Jovi Forever One Wild Night UK Tour and that's at the Swan Theatre. And on Saturday the 25th there's a Young Voices Singing Workshop for um, children, singers aged 8 to 14. That's from 10am to 1pm and costs just £5 in the Henry Sandon Hall. And then on Saturday night, the 25th of August at 7.30, is Totally Tina, Tina Turner, a phenomenal, and it's a lot of her music. That's at the Swan Theatre on the 25th. Then also at the Swan Theatre on Sunday the 26th from 11 till 4 is the Worcester Festival Fate, Summer Fate. Um, All the fun of the fair for all the family, all under one roof. Cakes, sweets, prizes, face painting, tabletop sale and games. Um, Free entry. And then on Monday the 27th, At 7.15, the English Symphony Orchestra will have a festival family firework night of um, classical and popular favourites prior to the festival fireworks, which start 
at 10 o'clock on the quay. Um, and that's all in Worcester. Huge variety of things there in the festival. Then moving across to Malvern at the Malvern Theatre from Wednesday the 22nd to Sunday the 26th of August, there is Peter Pan with David Thomas as Captain Cook. Award-winning Anne Dalton's swashbuckling high-flying musical, Sparkling with Fairy Dust. And that is happening on Wednesday to Saturday at 1.30pm and 6.30pm and on Sunday just at 1.30. Then something a little different. On Tuesday the 4th of September at the Swan Theatre there is a talk by David Parker, The Golden Age of Steam. And he will talk about how the uh, railway for children and had made an impact on steam railways everywhere. And that is at 7.45. And then on Tuesday the 6th of September at 7 o'clock, the National Theatre have a live screening of Julie. Vanessa Kirby and Eric Kofi feature in Polly Strength Strenham's version of Strindberg's Miss Julie. This new version remains shocking and fiercely relevant in its new setting of contemporary London. Um, and then from the 4th to the 8th of September in the Festival Theatre, there is Evita, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, straight from the West End. And that is on in the evenings at 730 and Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday, there is a 2.30 matinee. Then looking ahead to Saturday the 8th of September at 7 o'clock, there is the Ocean Film Festival. The annual Ocean Film Festival is sweeping towards Malvern with a brand new selection of the world's most amazing ocean films from both above and below the surface. And then finally, the RSC have a live screening for, of The Merry Wives of Windsor on Wednesday the 12th of September at 7 o'clock. So that's quite a good variety of things to choose from in the local area in the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Sally. <coughs> now, for those of you who um, don't wish to listen to obituaries, I suggest you just click on to um, the next item uh, but we do have some announcements um, Joan Lloyd Goodman sadly passed away August the 8th we have no further details Irene Wayne nay Watkins passed away July 23rd she worked at Heenan and Froude and Metalbox and she passed away in um, Derby the following funerals will have already taken place Leslie Johns passed away on August the 5th. His funeral was on the 16th of August. Donations, if desired, to the British Lung Foundation, care of Andrew Phillips, funeral services, 54 to 56, Barbon Road, Worcester, WR1 1JA, telephone Worcester 616222. <coughs> Melvin Douglas Taylor passed away July 28th. Funeral service was um, will have been on the 17th. Um, donations to the Rowan Chemotherapy Suite at Worcestershire Royal Hospital are requested. Um, Sophia Farina, 
Nay di Sabatino passed away the 19th of July. Requiem Mass um, will have taken place on the 17th of August. Donations for British Heart Foundation can be sent to AV Band, funeral directors, um, or with any friends. George Leonard Sandbrook passed away July 27th. Funeral service was on the 17th of August. Donations can be left um, or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. But no details as to where those donations are going. Funerals still to take place. Doreen, known as Dean Bellamy, passed away the 6th of August. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Monday, August the 20th at 1pm. Donations to Dementia Care UK, Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester 748811. Anthony Charles, known as Tony Wilde, or, or Wildy as he was also known, passed away July 22nd. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium, Tuesday, August 21st at 1pm. Donations for the Worcestershire Wildlife Trust can be sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road. Yes, those details as before. Um, following on the obituaries, um, Heather Flockhart sadly passed away on August the 8th. Much loved wife of Alan and devoted mother to David and Penny and adored by her five grandchildren. The funeral service uh, will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, August the 22nd at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations to St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E. Hill and Sons, Funeral Director, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. And Sarah Louise Dorrill passed away peacefully on August the 7th, aged 52 years. The funeral service um, will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, August the 23rd at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, uh, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice or Worcestershire Breast Unit Haven uh, may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, Worcester, WR37EU. And Patricia Mary Pat Fido, formerly of West Mercia Police, passed away peacefully at home on August the 6th, 2018, aged 60 years. She will be sadly missed by all her family and friends. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, August the 24th at 12.15pm. No flowers by request. Donations to Cancer Research UK, care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 01905. Seven four eight eight one one, and so those those are all the obituaries. Thank you. And the thought for the week is taken from St John's Gospel, chapter three, verse one. <clears throat> How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, 
And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And I'm going to ask um, um, Audrey now to tell us the week's headlines, sunrise and sunset times, please. Thank you. Grave concern. Former drug addict gets uh, given a lifeline. Friends tribute to crash teen, vic- crash teen victim Liam. Gang of youths causing havoc on a state. Murder probe after lorry hits, uh, hits man. Sorry about that. Murder probe after lorry hits man. Heartless. The sunrise is at 5.54. Sunset is at 8.30pm. Thank you, Audrey. And with the first of the headline stories is Judith. Thank you. There is a huge gap in life expectancy between the wealthiest and poorest areas of Worcester, with people in one ward dying 10 years younger than those in another. Figures from Worcestershire County Council show that men in Nunnery Ward have an average life expectancy of just 74.2 years, whereas in St Peter's it's 85.2 years. Warndon has the second lowest average death age for men at 74.6 years, while it was the worst for women at 80.4 years. St Peter's also had the longest average life expectancy age for women at 87.6 years. City Councillor Tracy Biggs, who represents Nunnery, said, Sad is the right word to describe it. People are getting a raw deal. It's just about where you are born. This is a wake-up call. We are seeing different areas of the city seeing different life expectancies. It's tragic. Nunnery is a very diverse ward. We have a large number of people who are struggling financially, people who are finding times very hard. There's a direct correlation between social inequalities and health inequalities. Since 2010, I think it's got a lot worse. This is what we have when we have policies of austerity. Kerry Stalker, city councillor for Warnden, also blamed deprivation for the lower life expectancy rates in her ward. She said there's a lot of people in the area on low incomes or benefits. If you're living hand-to-mouth and can hardly feed yourself or your family, you don't have good health habits as you can't buy the right food. Councillor Stalker added that some poorer residents also struggle to pay for exercise equipment and are nervous about taking part in classes. The councillor fears the rollout of universal credit and all-in-one benefits payment will make things worse in the city. Peter Pinfield, chairman of Health Watch Worcestershire, said the average life expectancy in Worcestershire should be around 85 years. He blamed deprivation for the disparity in life expectancies. Mr Pinvin said the city has a problem with drinking too much alcohol and not exercising enough. A Worcestershire County Council spokesman said 
There are many different reasons why life expectancy varies across different areas and the County Council and the Health and Wellbeing Board have oversight of a programme of work which aims to improve health and narrow health inequalities. Lower life expectancies are often linked to lifestyle choices and deprivation and we work hard with partners, particularly in our most deprived areas, to encourage healthy lifestyle choice and to make sure that services are targeted to those who need them most. A former drug addict has been given a chance to turn his life around after a restaurant owner offered him a job. Mike Littlewood, who was using black mamba and other drugs, but, he, but has been clean for almost a week, has been given a job as a window cleaner at the newly opened Pepe's Peri Peri Peri. Mr Littlewood, aged 38, featured in the Worcester News last week after his wife Michelle said she feared his black mamba habit would kill, would, would kill him. Speaking of the job offer, Mrs. Little, Mr Littlewood said, things like this an opportunity for work, build you up again. It gives you something that wasn't there before. It shows that humanity is still there and people are willing to, be, to help. There is a lot of work out there, but people look at people like me and don't give us a chance. They, they think that, that us like... They, sorry. They judge us like a book but without reading it. Instead, they skip into the back pages and miss all the important bits. Last week, it was reported that Pepe's Piri Piri owner, Mike Mahatar Shah, planned to help vulnerable people in Worcester by providing free food for the homeless. Regarding Mr Littlewood, Mr Shah said... People are quick, too quick to judge without knowing any background and what, what, have, what the people have been through. Mr Shaw has nicknamed Mr Littlewood Captain America, calling him a hero and an inspiration to others in the same boat as him. He added, Mike cleaned my windows earlier this week and I've never seen anyone put so much pressure and passion and hard work into a job. He has a great determination for someone who has experienced such terrible things. He's living proof that anything is possible. Mr Littlewood of White Ladies Close said, Homelessness can happen to anyone. There is every kind of person out there on the streets. I've met people who once owned a business but have lost everything, yet people only remember our failures. So many people on the streets have said they want to make a life for themselves, but it's making that initial step. The hardest part is to find someone who has faith in us. I am so lucky that Mr Shah has given me this opportunity I hope this experience will encourage more businesses to give people like me a chance. If every business 
took one homeless person, it would make a huge difference. It will, st- it will give them a sense of direction and realise they actually have a life to live. Pepe's Piri Piri is going to donate the equipment needed for Mr Littlewood to begin his window cleaning job. Mr Littlewood is a, win- is a trained window cleaner, but his kit was stolen while all of his belongings were taken while he was living on the streets. He said, I've nothing left. I'm building it back up since moving back in with my wife. She has looked after me so well. I owe it to her to earn a decent living and provide for us. Essentially, after I ran away to escape everything, I've got a lot of making up to do. Mr Littlewood's wife, Mrs. Michelle, said uh, to the Worcester News, I'm very proud of Mike for coming off the drugs and getting clean. I am so happy that he's got this job. I just hope more businesses will take him on as he's looking for full-time work. A friend of a teenager who died after a car crash is to run a half marathon to help raise funds for his funeral. Liam Ball, aged 17, died after the fatal collision in the early hours of August the 2nd and close friend Ryan Clayton is running the half marathon in tribute. He described Liam as a Jack the Lad who always wanted to make people laugh. A charity football match has also been arranged for the hairdresser from Malvern who worked in Worcester, while a book of condolences is to be placed at the gym he frequented in the city. It didn't feel real. Reality, it was a shock, said Ryan, who has known Liam since they were young children. We've played football together since we were nine or ten years old. We've always been in contact, going to house parties together and we go to meet up and go to the gym. He always used to cut my hair too. He said, alongside other friends of Liam's, he has visited his parents to see how they're coping. We've been trying to comfort each other. Ryan, who lives in St John's, said Liam was always the life of the party, who was really talented and creative and very passionate about barbering. To help his parents pay for the funeral costs, Ryan is planning to run the equivalent of a half marathon and has already smashed his £300 target. I haven't planned my route yet, but it's going to be on my birthday, September the 2nd. I want to go take the money to his family because I have known them a long time. Meanwhile, Keris Caldwell, another of Liam's friends, has set up a book of condolences at Pure Jim Worcester, where he was a member. Keris, 17, said the popular teen attended the St Martin's Gate gym about twice a week. I know him from my childhood, really, since we were about 12, said Keris of Dines Green and a student of Heart of Worcester College. A couple of years ago, when I got out of a relationship, he really helped me. He was a really supportive young man. It is just horrendous news. We are members of Pure Gym and we would go there and see each other. I realised we didn't really have a place to take flowers and other things to remember him. She said she wasn't quite sure if people would get the idea of the condolence book, but it's really nice feeling that everyone thought it was a nice idea. So Keris got permission for the tribute from Liam's mum, who thanked her. She said, while the gym agreed to have a table set up with the book on it, Alex Barton, manager of Pure Gym, said he felt gyms today create a sense of community feel which he thought was demonstrated by the condolences book. 
It is one of these things where people are in regularly. At the same time, it is our acknowledgement of this awful tragedy and we would like to support anyone who has been affected by it. A 16-year-old boy who cannot be named for legal reasons appeared before Wolverhampton Magistrates Court last week in relation to the crash, which happened on Western Street in Walsall. He has been charged with death by dangerous driving, driving without a licence, no insurance and failing to stop at the scene. He has been released into the care of social services to reappear at Wolverhampton Crown Court on September 5th. Two female passengers, both aged 14, were also injured in the collision, one suffering a broken arm and the other minor injuries. The silver Volkswagen Golf also hit a lamppost during the incident at 12.10am. Liam was found collapsed nearby with a serious head injury and later pronounced dead in hospital. A gang of youths are causing havoc on an estate in Worcester. (coughs) The youngsters have been accused of smashing bottles, urinating in bins and smoking drugs in and around Fairmount Road, Tolodyne. West Mercia Homes has sent a letter to tenants warning them that they could face action if they harbour troublemakers. Arms police officers descended on the street last week, last weekend, and... A 20-year-old man has since been charged for driving offences. One resident, who was too frightened to be named, said, They stand in the alleyway connecting with Goldsmith Road, drinking and smoking. They are doing bongs in the alleyway. There are condoms and broken glass. We have loud music, shouting and fighting on the grass. When you approach them, you get verbal. There's about 15 of them. Half are under 18. People don't like going to the alleyway. They are intimidated. People are too frightened to bring their kids out. The estate used to be lovely. The 42-year-old nurse said residents have been trying to get Worcestershire County Council to shut the alleyway. However, the council says it is the responsibility of Kia Partnership Homes. She added that the alleyway was bricked off around 10 years ago. An 18-year-old carer who also lives in the road said, The problems are common here. I don't feel safe going around on my own in this area anymore. I have to lock the door all the time. Everyone is on their last chance of getting evicted. Everyone got antisocial behaviour letters. Something needs to be done about it. A mother of four, aged 37, added that the youths kick footballs at cars, damaging the windows, while another woman said they shout profanities through her window. The 46-year-old said they also urinated in her bins and she now plans to install a £300 fence outside her home. One resident, aged 55, described the kids as a nuisance who have nothing better to do. A spokesman for West Mercia Homes said, We are aware of antisocial behaviour in the area of Fairmount Road and we are working closely with West Mercia Police and our residents to try to end this problem. We would urge any of our residents who are experiencing antisocial behaviour to report it to us or the police so that we can take action against the people responsible. West Mercy Police was called to an incident in Fairmount Road at around 12.30am on August the 5th. 
Billy Joe Shepherd, aged 20, of Oak Avenue, has been charged with one count of driving a vehicle without a valid licence and one count of driving without insurance. Shepherd is due to appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on August the 23rd. A driver has been arrested on suspicion of murder after a lorry hit a pedestrian. Police and emergency services were called to the A38 in Witchbold. Under the bridge for uh, under the bridge for the M5 shortly after 4:30 p.m. on Monday August the 13th. An Eddie Stobart HGV lorry is believed to have hit a pedestrian who had previously been driving a grey Volkswagen Caddy panel, panel van. Police said it was thought that a row may have begun on the southbound M5 carriageway between the Junction 4A and Junction 5. A man in his 60s suffered chest, pelvic and head injuries and was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham but subsequently died. His next of kin have been informed and the family are being supported by specially trained officers. A man in his 50s has been arrested on suspicion of murder. He remains in police custody at this time. Detective Inspector John Cushion said a thorough investigation has been launched to establish the circumstances behind the collision. Inquiries are ongoing and we would encourage anyone who saw the vehicles and the manner in which they were being driven on the M5 or the A38 prior to the incident to come forward. We are also keen to speak to anyone who witnessed the incident or who has dash cam footage of the moments leading up to the collision. Our thoughts remain with this man's family at this difficult time. Anyone with any information or dash cam footage of the incident is asked to call West Mercia Police on 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111, quoting incident number 5183, uh, sorry, 8S, of, of the 13th of August. And the final headline story for this week concerns a mother who has blasted vandals for making her poorly boy's life harder by damaging her car. <coughs> Jill Herdman's son, Sam Holmes, is currently undergoing chemotherapy for a rare type of bone cancer and she relies on her car to get him to hospital. Miss Herdman's Seat Ibiza has been damaged numerous times in recent months, including in the past week, and she is worried that it is causing her 10-year-old boy stress. The 41-year-old mum of Blackpool Road said... Sam doesn't need me being stressed about this, with police coming round to our house. He's fighting cancer. He struggles to get around the house. I rely on my car to get him anywhere. I wish these vandals could go to Birmingham Children's Hospital. There are young kids their age fighting for their lives, and they are walking around the streets doing this. 
The Worcester News previously reported on a gang of youths causing havoc around Fairmount Road in the Brickfields area of Worcester. Miss Herdman said the youngsters are smashing windows, wing mirrors and pushing over bins in her neighbourhood. She has CCTV footage of one of the vandals kicking her wing mirror off last week. She added, it's a massive problem. It's become a craze. I think they're doing it just for fun. All of the kids are drinking and out at night. It's different groups of lads and girls. They all congregate at McDonald's or the little car park at night. The significance of the latest crime hit home on Monday when she wanted to take her son to Worcestershire Royal Hospital. She feared that Sam, who had an operation the previous week, had an infection. However, she was not able to take him to hospital because of her broken wing mirror. Her ex-partner came to the rescue and glued it back on so she could make the trip. However, the mother of two is still worried about how she will pay for the repairs. She said it will cost £380 to fix it. I can't afford it. I'm a single mum. I gave up work to look after my son. Miss Herdman, whose mum died from breast cancer, has contacted Worcester's MP Robin Walker to talk to him about her son, a former pupil at St George's Church of England Primary School. Mr Walker said, I was shocked to see the vandalism that Miss Herdman brought to my attention. Clearly it is totally unacceptable and I have asked the local police team for an urgent update on the matter. It's vitally important that any such incidents are reported to the police, as they have been in this case, so that evidence can be gathered and action taken against the perpetrators of this despicable damage. Worcester Police Constable Alan Figueredo added, We are aware of previous incidents involving damage to vehicles in the Blackpool area. Each case that was reported to the police was investigated and pursued as far as reasonably possible but due to insufficient evidence, we were unable to take further action. There are still ongoing investigations into the latest report of criminal damage, and we are in contact with the victim. I would also like to reassure the local community that this area is subject to regular patrols. Sam, who suffers from osteosarcoma, started chemotherapy in March, and hopes to follow in his parents' footsteps when he is older by working in the agricultural sector as a farrier. Uh, anyone with information about the incident can ring police on 101, quoting incident number 498S of August the 11th. Uh, now for some sport. Um, Assistant Manager Ashley Vincent admitted Paul Sullivan's last garp last gasp equaliser felt like a kick in the teeth after Walsall Wood snatched a 1-1 draw to force their FA Cup tie with Worcester City into a replay. Goalkeeper Matt Gwynn looked set to be City's hero in the extra preliminary round on Saturday 
as he pulled off a series of fine saves to frustrate the home side. But in the sixth minute of injury time, Sullivan nodded home from close range to deny Worcester victory at the ML Safety Stadium. Vincent said his players were gutted as Dave Reynolds, who gave City the lead with a first-half penalty, missed a great chance to put the game out of sight moments before Sullivan's leveller. But he was keen to stress that Worcester still had another chance to progress as they face Wood at the Victoria ground. For about 30 seconds after the goal went in, it was devastating, Vincent said. It was a kick in the teeth, but when you look at it, we held our own on a pitch that probably did not suit us and arguably should have made it 2-0 before being caught by a sucker punch at the end. We know we can play better. We need to be strong and add that a bit of clinical edge that we were probably missing. Vincent was also delighted with the performance of Gwyn, who has been forced to bide his time as Tamworth Loney Dan Jesev claimed the number one spot. But with Jesev cup-tied, Gwyn seized his opportunity and Vincent reckoned the 25-year-old had strengthened his cause to manager John Snape. Sorry, strengthened his case to manager John Snape. It has been a tough start for him, Vincent said. We made no secret that we needed another goalkeeper and Jessef played in the first two games. But Gwynna got his mind right and I thought he was fantastic from the start. His positioning was good, his kicking was good and he made some saves that on another day could have been goals and we don't even make it in the hat. That's a testament to his mentality to stick with us and believe in what we are doing. He has given the gaffer a massive question to answer. Dan is a good goalkeeper but I thought Gwynna was top draw. He did everything and more that we could have asked him to do. Worcester came under heavy pressure in the second half, but when asked whether he was frustrated by how much possession Wood had, Vincent added, absolutely not. We are a side with young players that want to get the ball down and pass it, but that pitch does not allow for you to do that. We came with a game plan and it was perfect for 90-odd minutes, until they snatched an equaliser, which was gutting. But on a better pitch, we may play slightly differently. We might have more possession, and we feel like our quality will show. If it does, and we have that same work ethic and competitiveness as we do on Saturday, we will give them a very tough game next time. Now here's a swimming story. Deutsch ace Matt Richards was crowned national champion in five events at the British Summer Championship in Sheffield. The 15-year-old bagged seven gold medals and two British records while missing three other bests by a combined time of only (coughs) 0.28 seconds. 
This season, Richards has collected international caps for Wales in Luxembourg and Rome, as well as representing the English schools in the World School Games in Morocco. He also broke four British age group records during the campaigns, as well as six Welsh junior and five regional junior, five senior county and eight junior county bests. Richards attends the Royal Wolverhampton School and trains with their elite squad, as well as being dual registered with Worcester Swimming Club, who he still competes for and trains with at, at, trains with at times. At the British Summer Premierships, he competed in the 16-year category after qualifying for nine events among the top 24 fastest times throughout the UK. He was ranked first for five in the top three for two individual medleys and in the best five for the 40-metre, 400-metre freestyle and 200-metre butterfly. Richards targeted five events and competed in two re relays for his school. He won the 100-metre freestyle in a personal best of 50.57 seconds after cruising from the heats in 51.52. Richards bo bossed the 100 metres butterfly heats with 55.39 and then claimed the national title in 54.51, which was a British age group record. He won the 50-metre freestyle in a personal best of 23.38 after qualifying first. Richard broke the British age group record in the 200-metre freestyle in 1.5884 for a gold after swimming 1.5479 in the heats. The teenager qualified first in the 50-metre butterfly and won in 24.93. He added relay god golds with his for his school in the four by two hundred meters and the four by one hundred meters freestyle. Richard said, "I'm very pleased with how it all went. There's still a lot of work to be done for the next season, building towards bigger and better things. I couldn't do what I'm doing now without the brilliant program and support at the school." and my coaches Mark Spackman and Tom Elgar, as well as from my family. Richards begins his new season at the start of September. Worcestershire Rapids are through to the 2018 Vitality Blast quarterfinals. They're guaranteed at least a top-four spot after winning over Derbyshire Falcons at Blackfinch New Road. Head coach Kevin Sharp said the lads deserve a lot of credit for what they have achieved so far and there is a lot of belief in the group about what they are capable of. I also want to highlight the part played by Alan Richardson, head bowling coach, and Alex Gidman, second 11 coach batting coach, in working closely with the squad in white ball cricket. But the work is not completed yet. The lads want to secure a home quarter-final and they want to get through to finals day. Everyone at the club is aware the county haven't managed that so far and it's a goal for everyone. Batsman Joe Clark praised the efforts of lads who are standing up and making a name for themselves after beating Falcons. Clark top-scored with 76 of 
out of Rapids, 137 for eight, but said the performance of the bowlers was immense in securing a 16-run victory on a slow pitch. He said, we're on a bit of a roll. People are standing up at the right times and we're just managing to get over the line. In previous years, we've sort of faded away, but this year we've got on a roll and fortunately the results are going our way. We probably would have said our total was 20 runs short, but the bowlers have just been excellent this year as well. Lads standing up, putting in some really good performances and winning us games. Pat Brown has really come to the party this year. He backs his skills and has got a bit about him. He has been an excellent bowler in his competition and that's why he is in the top couple of wicket takers. Wayne Parnell has come in and performed straight away and as a bowling group they'll be happy with their efforts. Brown, 19, rewrote the record books with his 22nd victim in the competition this summer to overtake the previous Rapids best by spin legend Saeed Ajmal. As regards his own innings, Clark said, I rode my luck and managed to get a few balls away. We realised quite early on that it wasn't a big total sort of game and looked at 160 as being a really good score. Once I got in and saw wickets were falling, I felt the responsibility of batting the majority of the overs. It was very tough to get going. I've got the best job in a way, in that I had that I get to face the ball when it's at its hardest at the start of the innings, and that got me going a bit. But for the lads coming in during the middle, it was tough. They got it to reverse very early on, and it's definitely tough to come in and score quickly. It was nice to get a score and contribute to a win. And finally, from this sports section, a rugby story. Josh Adams says it will be an incredibly hard decision to leave Worcester Warriors, although he realises a return to Wales is the only way of keeping his international hopes alive. It has been a whirlwind 12 months for the 23-year-old wing, who finished last season as the Premiership's joint top try-scorer and made his Wales debut. Swansea-born Adams stressed he would not have achieved such heights without the support of Warriors, but with one year left on his deal, he now faces a big call over his future. Under Welsh Rugby Union's rules, a player looking to land a new contract at a club outside of Wales must have at least 60 caps to represent the national team. This means Adams will need to join one of the four regions in Wales next summer to remain in the plans of Warren Gatland. The rule is obvious. Everyone knows it and everybody asks me about it, Adams said. It's clear to see I am on four caps, so it is impossible to get to 60 when there are only 10 international fixtures in a season. Obviously, as I am at a young age with international rugby aspirations, it is going to have to come into consideration. But the focus is now on starting the year playing really well at Worcester, because if I'm not, I won't be selected. Adams was snapped up by Warriors in 2015 after struggling for, for game time at Scarlets and soon made an impression in the first team. The potent back, who had spent time on loan at Cinderford and Nottingham, has notched 30 tries in 48 games in the past two seasons.
I was a young Welsh lad, and there weren't really any opportunities for me in Wales, Adam said. I was let go by Scarlets, and other teams had their back three players. To get the opportunity to come over to Worcester, experience something new by living away from home, having to fend for myself and manage my money was massive for me. Without Worcester and playing in the Premiership every week, that I would not have four international caps and would never have finished joint top try scorer. It will be an incredibly hard decision, but that's something I'm going to have to talk over with a few people, and when that time comes, it will come. But for now, my head is solely on playing well for the start of the year, as it is important we start well. <clears throat> Asked when he expected to have his future resolved, Adams replied, It's not something that I can give you, where I can give you a month or a day. When things happen, they happen. So it will be later down the line. That's all I'm saying. Adams said he had also settled in Worcester with his girlfriend, who has recently got a teaching job in the city. We're both really happy, he added. We've got a nice apartment which is really close to town and convenient for us. We both really enjoy living in Worcester. It's a nice place, we get on with everybody here and there are loads of things for us to do. My girlfriend has gone straight from university into a job which is quite difficult to do. I'm proud of her and how well she has done to get a job in Worcester. It's great for me as well that she's happy as I can concentrate on my rugby. And now we're on with the main news. Thank you. <clears throat> when most people leave a farm sale, they come away with something agricultural. An old tractor, possibly, a water trough or even a pitchfork. But Peter Bannon put his hand up for a crystal set. Understandably, competition was not keen among the mainly flat-capped, welly-wearing audience in West Gloucestershire and the auctioneer knocked it down to him for £8. Peter was more pleased than if he'd purchased a prize Hereford bull, which, let's be honest, would have been a bit of a strain on his garden, living as he does half a mile from Worcester Cross. On the other hand, the crystal set fitted perfectly into his Georgian home, which contains his vast collection of more than 70 old radios and associated electrical gadgets. Not only that, but it came with a nice bit of history, for it had been purchased by the deceased farmer in 1922 and subsequently remained in the family and had been used by his two sons. Having a house decorated at almost every turn by cabinets, aerials, speakers and such like might seem a recipe to try a wife's patience. But not here, because Pauline Bannon is quite used to the world of electronics. The couple met many moons ago on the island of Mauritius, not on holiday, but on the Royal Navy's communication station there. Peter was a leading radio electrical mechanic and Pauline a leading WRN on the same watch. The station, the station dealt with communications between ships at sea and also between fixed shore bases, covering an area from Canada to Australia. It was a vital hub for the UK armed services. 
With a father who was an electrician, it was always a reasonable bet young Peter Bannon would have an interest in electronics, and so it was. I bought my first radio when I was eight years old, he said. If I recall, it cost three to four pounds in instalments from a junk shop near where we were living in North London. That might not sound much today, but remember, this was the 1950s. I think it took me about seven months to save up the money from my paper round and doing other odd jobs. One of these was washing cars and seeing as his customers included comedian Frankie Howard, actor Bill Fraser from The Army Game and playwright Harold Pinter. There's almost another story there. The radio was a Pi QAC 38 made in 1938, with stations on long and medium wave transmitting the home service and light programme and carrying classic programmes like The Goon Show, Journey into Space and Dick Barton, Special Agent. Like many youngsters at the time, Peter also tuned in to Radio Luxembourg, although he was a bit young for the rock and roll scene, which was the attraction for teenagers listening under the bedsheets at night when reception was at its best. For his 12th birthday, his brother splashed out £3.15 shillings to buy him a crystal set called OK Casquette. This came in a polished wooden case and set his collection on its way. Over the years, Peter has picked up old radio bargains from Salvation Army shops in Plymouth to junk shops in Ludlow. The vast majority he has got to work, although for the most part their value is more historical than monetary. His skill in electronics led him to a career in the sector after leaving the Royal Navy and he built his first computer in 1979. He later worked for the Metalbox Company in Worcester on the electronics side for several years. Peter was also publishing Giant News International when newspapers made the quantum leap from hot lead to computer-based printing and what joyous days those were. Sort of a cross between The Goon Show and Journey into Space in old radio language. Feathers were rustled in Worcester after a rare black swan floated into the city. The striking bird, native to Australia, is popular with wildlife parks, but is rarely seen in the wild in this country. Sylvia Herbert of St John spotted the bird on the River Severn last, near Bromwich Parade last Thursday. She said, We were doing the giraffe trail walk and we'd nearly finished. We just came back on the west side and we were having a little rest when we noticed the black swan amongst the, the other white ones. It's quite aggressive. We had actually stopped and I was taking pictures of the cygnets when we saw this black swan come right up the side. It doesn't seem to like the other swans as it keeps chasing them. She added that the bird had a different call to the mute swans. In January 20, 2012, we reported a sighting of a black swan on the river at Upton. 
More than 300 students will graduate from the University of Worcester with first-class honours this autumn. A total of 343 students secured the top classification in their degrees and will graduate during a week of celebrations at Worcester Cathedral in November. Luke Barnett, aged 25, a former pupil at Pershaw High School, earned his first-class BSc Ons in computing. Persistence is the key to any success, mused Luke, who was awarded his, an academic scholarship during his time at Worcester. Peter Bennett, 21, from Malvern and a former Dyson Perrins pupil, also earned his first in computing. Looking at the whole pie of life, he said, I'm proud to achieve this degree and I look forward to the next chapter in my life. Lindsay Bowden, 31, of Victoria Avenue, earned her first in primary initial teaching. <coughs> Edu teaching education and has secured a job at Hagley Primary School. I feel extremely proud and shocked to have achieved a first-class degree, she said. I've had to work five nights a week while studying this full-time degree, so it was very challenging at times. Mature student Kevin Brook, 47, of Beverly Close in the city, earned his first in creative and professional writing and English literature. Kevin, who is hoping to become a successful children's author, with three novels already under his belt, said, I was already writing in my spare time and wanted to take the next step. Although I was keen to strive for the best grade I could attain, the first-class honours seems a little unreal. Amber Sperry, 22, of Lapel Close, earned her first in fine art. The former Heart of Worcestershire College pupil said, I'm very relieved to achieve a first-class honours, as that has been one of my goals since beginning my degree. There were certainly moments I didn't think it was possible, but it goes to show if you put in the hard work and really push yourself, you can achieve it. The University of Worcester has places available for well-qualified applicants through clearing this year. And this is a follow-up um, to a headline story that you heard earlier. A man in his 50s arrested on suspicion of murder has been released on bail after a fatal crash near Worcester. Police believe an Eddie Stobart lorry crashed into a pedestrian on the A38 in Witchbold last Monday. The pedestrian had previously been driving a grey Volkswagen van and it is believed a dispute broke out on the M5 southbound between junction 4A and 5. However, the actual crash took place under a motorway bridge. A man in his 60s suffered chest, pelvic and head injuries and was taken to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham. He subsequently died. Detective Inspector John Cashin said... A thorough investigation has been launched to establish the circumstances behind the collision. Inquiries are ongoing and we would encourage anyone who saw the vehicles and the manner in which they were being driven on the M5 or the A38 prior to the incident to come forward. We are also keen to speak to anyone who witnessed the incident or who has dashcam footage of the moments leading up to the collision. Our thoughts remain with the man's family at this difficult time. Officers are supporting the family of the man who has died and information can be given by calling 101, quoting 518S of August 13th.
two workers at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals have started an initiative to teach sign language to staff. Stephen Hartman, who is a British sign language tutor, and Reverend David Suthall, the chaplain, are running a 10-week course in British Sign Language for hospital staff. British Sign Language, BSL, is used by 50,000 people in the UK and our Worcestershire hospitals see frequent visits from deaf patients for whom BSL is their first language. BSL was recognised as a language in its own right by the UK government in 2003 and it involves movement of the hands, body, face and head. Many thousands of people who are not deaf also use BSL, either because they have deaf relatives or as a result of some contact with the British deaf community. The idea came about from a meeting I had a year ago with a deaf patient, said Reverend Suthall. I realised I didn't even know how to say hello, so I started a Level 1 BSL course with Deaf Direct in Worcester. Then I bumped into Stephen, who as well as being a BSL tutor, is also a porter at Worcestershire Royal, and we hatched this plan. Mr Hartman, who became deaf 30 years ago due to a virus, has taught BSL to staff in his previous work at Basildon Hospital. Coming into hospital as a deaf patient can be a frightening experience, he said. I am passionate about teaching sign language to NHS staff and this course will enable staff to have simple conversations with deaf patients and relatives. We have access to BSL interpreters for patients and relatives, but they cannot be there all the time. I think the most important thing we can do is to let deaf patients know that we take their hearing issues seriously. We want to be as inclusive as possible and I want our hospitals in Worcestershire to be deaf-friendly places. Over 50 people applied for only 30 places on the September course. There will be a number of disappointed staff, said Reverend Southall, but hopefully we can get further funding to not only run another course here, but also to do the same at the Alexandra Hospital in Redditch and Kidderminster Treatment Centre, where we have already had a lot of interest. <coughs> in fact, we met Michelle McKay, the Chief Executive, who is fully behind this project and enabled us to get funding for this pilot course. I think we can make a real difference to the life of our deaf patients and relatives by learning their first language. And the vision is to have staff in all the areas of our hospitals who can use basic BSL to let deaf patients know they are in a deaf-friendly and deaf-aware trust. The course will include basic greetings as well as simple conversations about food, family and daily life. It is not aimed to replace the interpreting service but to give patients a chance for simple conversations in the patient's preferred language. If you're looking to spend a penny while you're out spending a few pounds, there is little chance you will be caught short in Worcester City Centre. Newly released figures show that whilst cash-strapped 
councils across the county country pull the plug on public toilets, Worcester City Council has only closed one since, nine, since the year 2000. Data gathered from the British Toilet Association through a Freedom of Information request shows the council currently own, operates 12 toilets in the city, a drop of just one. In terms of averages, Worcester is awash with toilets, with one convenience for every 8.526 residents, compared with one for every 10.930 people in the UK. A Worcester City Council spokesman said, everyone should be able to enjoy all that Worcester has to offer when they're out, when they're out and about in our city. So the City Council is committed to um, ensuring residents and visitors have the facilities they need. We have opened one new toilet in the rebuilt section, <coughs> beg your pardon, in the rebuilt Sons of Rest Pavilion in Gellivelt Park, part of improved facilities just yards from the ever-popular splash pad. The shape of facilities in towns and cities across the country has, has comes as the British Toilet Association starts its Use Our Lose campaign to encourage b businesses to open their toilets to uh, non-customers. Uh, non non Local authorities can come to an agreement with private resi residences to open their amenities for the public in exchange for a payment or a tax credit. Raymond Martin, director of the British Toilet Association, said, We know that councils are under immense pressure with their budgeting and despite having no legal obligation to provide public facilities, they have committed to try to reverse the trend of decline. Use Our Lose is a community um, orientated solution about more not about more toilets but making more toilets that already exist access to the public a volunteer at a local hospice has spent 13 years devoting her time to putting a smile on families faces Pauline Price age 73 from Worcester began her voluntary work at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital Unfortunately, due to her developing arthritis, she had to take early retirement, which also meant giving up what she loved most, volunteering. Two years later, in 2005, the new Acorns Children's Hospice opened in Bath Road. The opportunity inspired Mrs Price to do some charitable work once again. After being accepted, she received the adequate training and began her journey within her role. Mrs Price said, What a place to volunteer! I enjoy every moment. I am there. My aim is to put a smile on people's faces and I am pleased to say I do this quite often. I love to be able to help people and try to make them make life a bit better for them. I'm a very emotional person. When I told my family that I wanted to volunteer at Acorns, they didn't think I'd be able to do it. At times you wonder if the child is aware that you're there, but when you suddenly get a smile from them, it's clear they know you are. Mrs. Mrs. Price offers services in the following three areas, befriending, reception and helping in the kitchen. 
She added, befriending a child can be done in so many ways, sitting talking to them, talking to them while taking them round the lovely gardens in their wheelchairs, sitting, reading to them, doing some artwork, playing musical instruments, or just lying quietly with them in the sensory room. I enjoy working in the kitchen very much. My duties are usually filling and emptying the dishwashers and clearing the tables after meals. I go on reception in the afternoon. I get to know so many people while sitting in reception. I'm a person that loves to talk to other people, so this is my ideal job. Mrs Price has been kept busy over the years as she also volunteers for Macmillan Cancer Support. She added, this is, a very diff- this is very different to Acorns, but just as enjoyable. It is very sad when someone comes into the hub and when they feel everything is going against them. But by talking and listening to them, we can usually make them feel much happier. We can give them advice on so many things. I hope I can carry on volunteering for another few years and continue to enjoy doing my two jobs. Prescription drugs have been linked to the deaths of 12 people in Worcester over the last six years. The figures were released by the Office for National Statistics after our recent story about the increase in drug-related deaths in Worcester. Pete Santipanski, Clinical Head for Drugs, charity Swanswell, said it is not a clear case of people committing suicide with prescription medication. He said very rarely are antidepressants used as a suicide method. New antidepressants aren't very good at causing deaths. With some people, they might not be on the right dose of medication, so they may still feel down and distraught. Mr Stensipanski added that it is not always clear what the case cause of death is in drug-related fat- fatalities. He said... It all depends on the circumstances of death. You can have someone in their late 80s or 90s who is on benzodiazepine or who who dies of natural causes. He added that the antidepressant citalopram, which was involved in the deaths of three people in the city between 2013 and 17, was not linked to overdoses. However, he said the antidepressant amitriptyline, which has been linked to four deaths in Worcester, did have the potential to cause harm. (coughs) The Swanswell Swanswell worker said people can also overdose on anti-anxiety drugs, such as uh, clonazepam, benzodiazepine, pregabine, Baleen, diazepam and barbiturate, all of which were linked to deaths in the city. All of the drug-related deaths were either the result of mental and behavioural disorders, accidental or deliberate poisonings or assaults due to drugs. Some 25 people died from drugs between 2015 and 17, compared to 23 for 2014 to 16, and 20 from 2013 to 15. In some cases, several drugs were linked to one death. <clears throat> the Mayor of Worcester, Jabba Riaz, is walking 50 kilometres next month to support one of the city's best-loved charities, 
and is calling for local residents to sponsor him. Councillor Riaz will be joining members of the Worcestershire Ambassadors on September the 8th to walk a challenging 50-kilometre stretch of the River Thames path from Runnymede to Henley-on-Thames. He's looking to raise sponsorship of £1,650 with the money being donated to the St Richard's Hospice Build 2020 campaign, helping the charity to expand its premises to support over 4,000 people a year by 2021, a 25% increase on the service it currently provides. The initiative will help St Richard's offer new and expanded services, supporting people from the point they are diagnosed, improving their quality of life and providing support to their family. (coughs) Councillor Rias is already in training for the 50k walk and is calling on city folk to sponsor his efforts on the Just Giving website at justgiving.com stroke Riaz. He said, I have had a personal friend of the family who was able to enjoy the last few weeks of their life in this beautiful place. St. Richard's Hospice <clears throat> provide a valuable service to the community, bringing dignity, respect and privacy to those in need of end-of-care life. The staff do a fantastic job, so I have teamed up with Worcestershire Ambassadors to do a painstaking 50-kilometre walk in aid of this brilliant charity, so please donate generously. And here's another story about a fundraiser for St Richard's. A duck race to raise funds for St Richard's Hospice has raised a quacking success of £2,840. The annual event on Saturday in association with the Worcester Festival took place along the River Severn in the heart of the city. Those who took part were able to adopt their duck online or on the day at the quayside thanks to a team of volunteers who helped out. Once the race began, there was much cheering as competitors heated up as com- sorry, competition heated up for the individual waterfowl to cross the finishing line. For the first time in its history, the race welcomed a host of companies who sponsored nine giant ducks, 32 centimetres. The finale at the cathedral saw giant duck Wiggy from Waldron's solicitors being crowned the corporate winner. Jane Sargent, fundraiser at St Richard's, said, What a wonderful day we had on the River Severn. Thanks also must go to the Hereford and Worcester Fire Service for their fantastic support providing two safety boats as well as promoting water safety during the event for our enthusiastic racers. Thanks also to Medi Events for first aid support and Gary Wenman for photography. The Mayor of Worcester, Council Jabba Riaz, attended on the day and helped to start the race on the city bridge as the ducks head, headed towards the water. Jane added, The event is always such an enjoyable occasion and we're delighted to have raised such a worthwhile fund for our care. Thanks to all who took part.
Jane said, The event is always such an enjoyable occasion, thanks to all who took part. And it adds, as before, St Richard's provides free specialist palliative care and end-of-life care for patients living with limited in, limiting in illnesses and supports their loved ones. Each year, the hospice team supports more than 3,000 patients, family members and bereaved people in Worcestershire. St Richard's has launched a Build 2020 appeal, which aims to raise the final £1 million needed to build a bigger hospice, enabling more patients and families to be cared for. The total cost of expanding and redeveloping the existing buildings is three million, sorry, five million pounds. And there's rather a nice photograph of um, on the Worcester Bridge. There's the mayor uh, posing one end, and um, the, the mascot Puddle Duck posing the other end of the line. And in between are the corporate ducks, the giant ducks all various colours, who are being um, uh, who, who are being sponsored by corporations. And then there's a, a picture of crowds watching the ducks going along the river and um, the fire brigade supporting everybody and keeping everyone safe. A month-long challenge to recycle more and reduce waste has been taken up by four city councillors. The let the Let's Waste Less Challenge by Worcester City Council, which began in June and ends on August the 19th, follows Joy Squires, Tracy Biggs, Andy Stafford and Tom Collins as they look to recycle, compost, reuse and cut back on plastics. Councillor Joy Squires said the challenge was a chance to start composting in her garden and whilst she has always recycled the obvious things, she wanted to do more. She said recycling existing materials is a far better use of the planet's resources rather than plundering new material. So when shopping, I've been looking out for products which are made from or packaged in recycled material. Like Tracy, I've been avoiding buying fruit and vegetables wrapped in plastic. And for the first time ever, I've had a jam making session. We've tons of raspberries in the garden and we won't be able to eat them all fresh. So this was a really good way of making them go further. Councillor Tracy Biggs started buying fruit and vegetables from the market and bought items with less plastic packaging. She said the challenge had made planning ahead for food shopping essential. I threw out a whole punnet of strawberries which were sitting in the fridge and never got round to eating. The key is forward planning, working out how much you're likely to be eating in that week rather than buying lots on impulse. Councillor Andy Stafford said he already recycled well and had two dogs to re help him get rid of the waste. He wanted the challenge to make him do things better, but also make him use less plastic. I have already decided to stop buying plastic bottles containing sparkling water and soda water to be replaced by ordinary tap water. This alone will account for half a dozen or more large plastic bottles a week. Councillor Tom Collins reviewed what he threw away and where he threw it when taking up the challenge, an act that made him realise how much food he throws away, throws away in the black bin. To reduce waste, Councillor Collins attempted to go food shopping completely plastic-free and obtained a composter, which then had to be replaced by a bigger composter. Well done to all of them. Uh, you may have heard a story last week of a helicopter crash. 
and uh, this is really a follow-up. A former Worcester Warriors star who piloted a helicopter after its engine failed has spoken of the terrifying seconds before crash landing in a field near Upton Snodsbury. Jim Jenner and his girlfriend Laurie Nicholl, aged 31, were flying at 1,200 feet when the engine failed and they crash-landed, rolling at least twice on impact. The 46-year-old of St John's said, It was terrifying. My heart was in my lap the moment that it happened. We instantly knew it was bad and would be forced to do an emergency landing with no power. From engine failure to land, we had approximately 10 seconds. Good job my time at the Warriors taught me to function well under pressure. There was a lot of pressure and things to do during those 10 seconds. I think it was the scariest thing I've ever had to do. So I was stunned and shocked, but I acted quickly. Then when we landed, I was elated, but then terrified about Laurie. It was a wonderful moment when she spoke. I'm told 70% of cases of R22 crashes result in death. We are incredibly lucky. They were flying in a Robinson R2 helicopter near Norton, Norton Road in Norton Beecham at about 1.54 on Wednesday of a week ago, August the 1st. Following the crash, Mr Jenner escaped unharmed and was discharged at the scene. Miss Nicholl was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital with back and stomach pains before being discharged about three hours later. Despite their ordeal, the couple went out in a different helicopter the following day to get back on the horse, according to Mr Jenner. The pair praised the emergency services, including the Northamptonshire Air Ambulance and Worcestershire Royal Hospital. He said, We both would like to thank the whole emergency services for how they responded to our very unusual call that day. They were calm, kind and professional with us both. It makes me even more proud to live in Worcester. Mr Jenner played for Worcester for five seasons, finishing in 2003. And... One final short story from Judith. The Hive Library is welcoming children and parents to its mischief-making sessions. To celebrate the 80th anniversary of the iconic children's comic The Beano, this year's summer reading challenge theme is Mischief Makers. Every Monday to Thursday until August the 27th, there will be sessions on the hour at 10am, 11am, noon and 1pm at the Butts-based library. In the sessions, there will be chances to have a go at Minecraft, wreak havoc in the library's online version of Worcester, make a Dennis or Nasher mask and create a comic book game in computer mode. Thank you. Now, before we... Wind up. We didn't have any birthdays this week. We haven't forgotten, but there were none to wish a happy birthday to. So, particularly new listeners, do let us know your birthday. And um, also a reminder about our Talking Books Library. 
Um, just a reminder about that, books are available in many formats, tape and CD. We can provide a list of books in the library in large print, hard copy or on tape. Uh, you can leave a message on the answer phone or put a note in your Talking News wallet. So, it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to thank Duncan Wynne and my fellow readers, Judith Doherty, Audrey Luxton and Sally Rowe. And sign off, hoping you all have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.